you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast, it is so easy to get lost on the creative journey. And this show exists to help you find your way back to the path to unlocking your creative potential. I'm your host, Danny J. Pizza. Let's get into this episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. So... We have been doing a few episodes that kind of expound upon some of the principles from the new Skillshare class because, you know, there was so much that I had to say about the topic of social media and less so about succeeding in making your social media presence something that really does work for your creative practice in a practical way, but also in kind of just a fulfilling way? How do you make creative work that's going to connect with people that you're making it for? And, and, and I think the best opportunity to do that right now is online, social media. Uh, yes, there's all these downsides to social media, but what's great about it is that no one can tell you no. No one can stop you. There's no gatekeeper that has to say, yes, you're allowed to show up and make here. And I feel like there are so many creative people and myself included that have spent an enormous amount of time, sometimes years, not being creative, but proposing the idea, the possibility to be creative. You know, calling ourselves a writer by writing book proposals, you know, but that's not being a writer. That's proposing the idea of possibly one day being able to write if somebody would only say yes. 
but you know, online makes it so that we can't, we don't have to wait around. You know, we have a multimedia studio in our pockets. We can fund our own miniature creative projects and spend the time doing the kind of creativity that lights us up. Instead of waiting around, proposing the idea of creativity, acting on it for the people that want it right now. And that whole class is kind of about that. And one of the ways that this is a totally different, unorthodox take on social media is that it's really not about outsmarting the algorithm. Yes, I realize that the algorithm is annoying. There's some problems with it. There are some basic things you can do that help you kind of get around the algorithm to a certain degree. But where we're going, we don't need roads. We don't need algorithm or tricks around the algorithm. And so in this episode, I wanted to talk about how to practically stop thinking about algorithms and get more in tune, more connected to, and more in touch with the rhythms of humans, because that is what art is all about. And I'm convinced that the artists that are going to see the biggest breakthroughs over the next decade are the ones that say, screw the algorithm, not by obeying it, not beating it by playing its game, but refusing to play its game and doing the unexpected and connecting, not with the robots, the way they want to be connected with, but with humans. And in this episode, I want to tell you some things that have helped me embrace that. You know, for me, I feel like the whole relationship that we have to the algorithm is getting kind of superstitious. It's a little bit spooky if you think about it. You know, it, it, it kind of feels like it's getting to this place where we are sacrificing to the gods. You know, we're showing up right at the right time at the Instagram altar and saying the hashtag prayers in just the right way so that these notions are heard. And we're even making human sacrifices. Okay, not actually sacrificing humans, but we do sacrifice human connection all the time. If you have ever, you know, ignored your children or your friends at the coffee shop so that you could post right at the right time, you are sacrificing humans to the algorithm. And the truth is nobody really knows how the algorithm works. Yes, they we, they tell us some stuff about it, but we never really know. Honestly, it's proprietary to these giant tech companies and they want to keep it their own unique secret intellectual property. And so all of the crazy weird things that you hear, you know, you got to leave it in the drafts folder for three weeks before you post on the second Thursday of the high noon on Monday with the moon, (laughs) you know, full moon, all that kind of stuff. Like that's what social media is starting to feel like. And I think that if you're sick of the human sacrifice, if you just get a sense that it's wrong, I want to encourage you because it doesn't matter how much human sacrifice you make in the short term to make social media gains. In the long term, you're not going to have any creative work to 
post because if you don't prioritize life, your art will be dead. Your art will be hollow. You know, my favorite things that I've made in my entire creative practice have come from, you know, my grandma's memorial and renovating my kitchen and stories from going to the library to see a penguin from the zoo with my kids and teaching my son to ride his bike and childhood, you know, childhood memories from my mom and my grandma. And, you know, just imagine all of that time I could have been spending growing my social media presence, man. (laughs) It sounds absolutely insane to think of it that way, but that's what we're doing day in and day out. And if you sacrifice your life and you sacrifice human connection and human rhythms for the algorithm, you're going to maybe get ahead in the short term, but in the long term, you won't have any art at all. And, and I want to just zoom out beyond did this post do as well as last week's post and, and zoom into how do I make sure that the main thing is the main thing? Because if your art is great, all the rest of the dominoes are so much easier to knock over. And in order to make sure that your art is on point, you've got to prioritize life above social media life. Let's do it. Okay, so the first thing when it comes to connecting to human rhythms is you got to know the best time to post. Now, when that comes to the algorithm, the end of that sentence is the best time to post to please the robot overlords. But when we're talking about human rhythms, we're talking about what is the best time to post for you, for your energy clock for your creative practice. You know, we're doing this thing called Peptober all through October where we are posting a new thing every day for 31 days and only one of those posts does it require you to make something new. And all of these prompts, you know, there's been a lot of enthusiasm on Instagram. It was received better than I ever expected it to. I think everybody was feeling exactly what I was feeling, was just overwhelmed by becoming a content generating machine. You know, overwhelmed by pleasing the machine. And I think for me, it's been really fun. But the the coolest thing that's come from Peptober for me is I realized that I actually find it pretty easy to post regularly when I post within what comes natural to my energy. Because it used to be when I was hustling, trying to make sure I'm doing my IG game and and TikTok game and Twitter game properly, I'd always be thinking about what's the best time to post so that the algorithm will you know, bless me. Right. And that would usually mean, you know, if you go look at all the the blogs and stuff that say, when is the best time to post? It'll say between this minute and that minute in the morning. But the problem is that is my most valuable creative time because I'm one of those morning larks. I'm someone who is at their best in the morning and 
there were so many days where I was wasting my best energy posting to social media, and that is a massive problem. So instead of asking, when's the best time to post for the the robot overlords, ask yourself, when is the best time to post for you? Which is, first of all, the best time is the time you'll actually do it. Second of all, the best time is the time when it fits within your energy flow. There is a book called Energy Clock by Molly Fletcher, who was in the sports marketing world for a long time, worked with a bunch of top athletes. And there was this one football player that she worked with who said, you know, he had all, he was like a rookie star who everybody wanted a piece of. They wanted autographs and shoe deals and apparel and all that kind of stuff, all this crazy stuff. And he said to her, you know, honestly, all that's great. I'm super pumped about the opportunity. But the thing is, I've got to figure out how all of these auxiliary secondary things fit around the main thing of being great at my game. Because if I don't do that, if I don't prioritize that, everything else will cease to exist. But if I do everything I can to make the main thing the main thing, everything else can fall into place. And when I was prioritizing posting at the best time for the robots, I was not prioritizing the main thing, which was my creative output. And so I will show up less online. I will go slower in my path. I will do whatever it takes to make sure that I'm doing whatever it takes to make great art. Because if you make genuinely great art, every single thing after that is easier. And in fact, some of it can even be inevitable. And what I found was through this month of Peptober is I would be, you know, just thinking, oh, I've got to post every day. I don't even have to post new stuff. So I'll just post when it feels natural. And you know what? For me, the best time to post was around 4 p.m. when my energy dips because I can actually post to social media without being my best in creative flow self. And so for you, what would it look like for you to prioritize and let the main thing be the main thing? What would it look like if you took your best creative energy and you didn't use it on pushing the creative stuff, but actually making it? What would it look like if you said, screw when the robots want me to post? When does it feel natural for me to post? Because the thing that actually matters is that you create a life where you have the time and energy to actually create the work that you want to create and that you have the time and space where you actually will be willing to show up and post stuff and and connect with people online, not just today when you've managed to push yourself out of your comfort zone, but actually do it in such a way where you're comfortable doing it on a regular basis week in and week out. And so the first thing to connect back to human rhythms in the way that you show up online is to find the best time to post dot, 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 not for the robots, but for you. 
Okay, the second one, if you want to connect with human rhythms over algorithms, you got to accept that you'll never get engaged. You'll never get engagement if you're scared of commitment, okay? If you want someone to engage with you, it's just like a relationship. You've got to say no to some other people. You've got to commit to say, this is who I am. This is who I'm for. And that means not being for everybody. In the class, in the new Skillshare class, we go into exactly this process of defining your ideal audience member. Who are they? What do they want? What do they believe? And as you go through this list, if you're like me, you're going to notice that every single thing you add to that list, you can kind of sense is negating another person. And if you're in a place as a creator where you don't have the audience that you want, the size, you know, you're not connecting with as many people as you want, or you're not selling enough art, you know, negating opportunities just seems really dumb. It just seems like the opposite of what you're trying to do. There was a time early on in my practice where I just felt like anybody can buy it. Any, anybody that will buy one of these posters, I will sell it to you. But it's just like in a relationship, that kind of desperation where you're like, I'll take anybody that doesn't really scream. I'm ready for commitment. I know who I am as a person, as an artist. It's not really giving anybody anything to work with, right? And, you know, for us, when we made the kids book a pizza with everything on it, we knew that there were going to be people who this book was not for them. You know, this book was super nonsensical. You know, the end of this kid's book is like the universe has been turned into pizza, uh, and it doesn't explain how that's going to work. You know, how's the economy going to continue? What does the ocean life look like when the, when it's full of marinara? Like what, how does this work? Is everything covered in grease? No, it's a kid's book. Shut up. If you're the type of person that can't deal with a bit of nonsense, guess what? The book's not for you. If you don't like the fact that the kid is throwing live penguins onto the book, you know, there was a period of time we were like, should they be throwing live animals onto a pizza? This is completely insane. And, we, and ultimately we thought, you know, as kids, we loved the books that respected us enough to, to say, you know, this is pretend, you know, this is fantasy. That's what the fun is. The fun isn't the fact that we're doing something that is completely wrong and weird and, you know, illogical. And, and we're for those kids. We're for the parents that are up for that kind of wackiness, knowing full well that we're negating part of our audience. You know, if you want to be for somebody, you sometimes have to not be for somebody else. In my own creative work, my project, Invisible Things, you know, for me, that's for really curious kids, really bright kids, either creatively or academically. You know, people, you know, there's a, for me as a kid, this really helped me understand what this project was all about when I realized that it, I kind of felt like Truman in the Truman Show, where Truman's like, I want to be an explorer. And the teacher's like, no, we've explored everything. We really don't need more 
explorers. And I felt like school and, and most of my childhood was given to me at, you know, they gave me the world as kind of a solved equation. And it made me so uninterested. And I don't think I really, really switched on in my mind until my buddy Will gave me this packet that he printed from the internet all about quantum physics and, you know, spooky action and just, you know, two dimensions and three dimensions and, and the 11 dimensions and string theory and all that stuff. And all of a sudden I was like, holy crap, we still need explorers. And so for me, invisible things, it's not for every kid, but it is for the kid who feel a little bit checked out, feel like the world is boring, feel like they've seen it all. And I'm like, no, you haven't because some things are invisible, right? Like that's what I'm trying to do. And that's not going to be for every kid. And so as you go to try to connect on a human level, you're going to also have to be willing to negate some people, to, to leave somebody out, to not invite some of those people into the room. When you start making that list, you know, maybe you want to make stuff about wizards and witches. You know, there was a time and place where that seemed like a super niche thing where you're negating potentially the world's biggest religion and its followers from that list. It might seem like a really bad idea to niche down in that way. You know, there was a time when Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy and stuff like that was a niche thing and you never would have seen something like Game of Thrones take the culture by storm. It seemed like a thing that was only going to be for a few people and really leave out a whole bunch of other people. But it takes that kind of super deep connection to get people to, to feel seen and known enough to connect with it on a deep enough level to get passionate about it and start telling other people about it. And so if you're struggling with this process, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a leaf from the book, uh, Keep Going by Austin Kleon. He talks about a punk band in there that they can't decide, they can't agree on their influences. And so instead they say, what are we against? Because all these people that I talk to who are afraid of, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to leave anybody out. I don't want to leave any opportunity on the table. I can't be choosy about who I'm making stuff for. I find that it's really helpful if they can't say, these are the people I'm for say, do you really want to make stuff for everybody? You know, what are the type of people that really make you mad that you don't want at your art opening, that you don't want at the concert? Who are those people? Who are the people that if they gave you an incredible review, you'd actually feel gross? You know, for me on my Instagram, I think about this. I think at first I'm like, I don't know who I'm for, but I know that one of the types of people that really grinds my gears are the people that are like, look, we're all the same and it's all just about effort and focus. That determines whether you're successful in this life or not, whether you choose to do the right things and do them well because you're a good person who isn't lazy. You know, I hate the idea, the notion that we're all basically the same, have the same strengths and weaknesses, same obstacles, that the playing field is the same for everybody. That just drives me crazy 
Not only does it not take into account the different circumstances that people are brought into, but it also completely discounts the fact that we have an incredible diversity in our neurochemical DNA makeup. We all have different things that we struggle with. And also we all have different things that we can contribute with. We have different strengths. And what's difficult for me is often easy for other people and vice versa. Growing up, that was a pain point for someone with ADHD. People that were like, just try harder. And there's these great memes on the ADHD accounts of like someone like going super saying or something, you know, going supercharged when someone just, it's like saying, uh, all the ADHD leaving my body. When someone tells me the incredible advice to try harder, like, have you ever felt that those people, man, they really make me mad. And those are the people that my work is not for. And if you flip that on its head, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm for the neurodiverse. I'm for people that welcome and celebrate the diversity and and the ways that we show up in different ways and love all of the richness of everybody being really different. You know, the second one for me is like, I nihilist and fatalist really drive me crazy. You know, people that just say there is no meaning in the universe and therefore it really doesn't matter what we do. You know, at the very least, I, when I realized those are the people that I'm fine leaving out of the room, I realized that At the very least, I'm for existentialists, people who, you know, we might not agree whether there is inherent meaning in the universe, but we can all agree that it's our job to make meaning and matter in our everyday life to the people that we care about, that we can all choose to say yes to life. Okay. And sometimes it starts with starting with the opposite to see that, you know, I'm definitely not for, you know, my work isn't for people who think that being cool is a one particular way of being, usually meaning edgy and aloof. You know, for me, that is the opposite of cool because cool is not about being one particular way, but about embracing the multitudes of what cool can mean by being yourself without apology, without concern. You know, there's that kind of calm and collectedness and uh, confidence within the type of person you are, that, that's cool to me, whether that is edgy or if it's super playful. So people that have this very narrow idea of what it means to be cool in 2021, that is not my audience. I'm actually okay alienating anyone who thinks that in order to be cool, you have to have the right brand name and say the right words. Because for me, there's nothing cooler than saying the words that I've never heard or, or making your own brand names. Like any, any way that you can go outside of the pack in an authentic way for me is what's cool. And so you can see how this process of starting with, you know, who are the people that I'm okay if they don't show up to the art opening? You can see how that can start leading you down the path to really clearly identifying who you are willing to commit to. Because when you can commit to a particular audience, you know, I am for people that want to live a creative life, people who see their life as a journey. I'm actually okay with 
knowing that there are some artists that don't see their creative path as a path at all. They don't see it as a journey. You know, those people, they're not probably listening to this podcast. That is okay because leaving them out means that I can commit to the people that are listening right now. And you're never going to get the engagement that you want. You're never going to get engaged if you're scared of that kind of commitment. Okay, number three is hashtag blessed dot 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 is they who hashtag bless others. You got to treat others as you want to be treated. I feel like one of the things that gets in our way as creators is this notion of the curse of knowledge. It's like when you're an illustrator, you're born into the illustration world. You're, you live and breathe it. All you can see is from the perspective of the illustrator. But guess what? Most people don't give a freaking crap about illustration. You know, they feel the same about illustration as they do acting, right? You don't get a lot of normal people who are actually fans of acting. No, they're fans of movies, right? Like normal people aren't fans of illustration. They're fans of kids books. They're fans of newspapers. They're fans of animated movies. Like what is the purpose of your work? How does it actually bless others? And how do people actually discover those things? You know, there are too many of us where we're really just creating for other people just like us. It doesn't really make any sense. You, you know, there, we can't all just sell our illustrations to other illustrators and just pass that money and that those resources and that fandom back and forth. Like, I love your illustration. I love your illustration. Well, I love your illustration. You're like, well, guess what? We need to find some people that don't actually give a damn about illustration. They give a dang about feeling moved by the whole package. You know, if you're an actor, you can't just show up on TikTok in a moat. I'm sure there's some exception to that rule. There's some weird TikToker that just says sadness and then just starts bawling their eyes out. And maybe some weird people think that's therapeutic or something. Okay. There's exceptions to the rule, but instead put it within the context, treat others as you'd want to be treated. If you weren't an acting enthusiast, what that means is you might have to go on a little hero's journey. You know, I actually am a big believer in If you listen to this podcast, you know I'm all about lean into who you are, find who you are, but sometimes you have to find out who you're not to really know who you are. You got to have that level of openness. Sometimes we're convinced who we are is actually our persona. It's who we're pretending to be. You really got to let go. And we've talked about on the show about how there was a time when Matt Damon wasn't getting all the roles he wanted. He wrote Goodwill Hunting. He did it convincing himself that he was a writer. That was a hero's journey. You know, the hero's journey is leaving home for a faraway place, leaving ordinary world for the extraordinary world. But you don't stay there. You come back home. Ordinary world, home, that's who you are. There's actually a lot to be won by 
going out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself to the limit, pushing yourself out of the construction of, I'm not a writer, I'm an actor. I'm not a writer, I'm an illustrator. Have you ever tried? Have you ever tried writing badly? You know, I'm writing, I'm, I'm writing, I'm reading, I'm reading a book, I'm writing books too, but I'm also reading a book by Lisa Cron called Wired for Story. And in that book, she talks about how when you get the, the right things right, when you really know what the story is about and what story is supposed to do, you can actually be a terrible writer. You can make writing that's clunky if it hits the nail on the head. We just watched Back to the Future with my teenage daughter for the first time, and I my mind freaking exploded by how no line or scene in that movie is wasted. Every single thing that those characters say relates back to something else in the plot that is totally essential for each character changing and growing and getting the payoff at the end. It is, I was just blown away. And guess what? The prose doesn't have to be perfect. Guess what? The grammar doesn't have to be perfect. Guess what? You don't have to be the greatest dialogue writer of all time if you know what is this thing for, okay? And so if you have convinced yourself, I'm not a writer, I'm not a director, I'm not, you know, let yourself surprise yourself The bottom of creativity is openness to experience. It's about saying, I don't know. It's about having the beginner's mind for the rest of your career and always discovering new facets and flavors and colors and hues that make you you. And sometimes that means doing something that feels like it's not you. That's the essence of the hero's journey, leaving the familiar. And so what I'm asking you to do is if you're an illustrator, have you tried writing, even bad writing? Because that's how people consume what you do. You know, that's why, you know, the illustrators that I see connecting on Instagram more than any other treat the caption as a miniature article that they illustrate. Because the purpose of an illustration is something that illuminates something else in the same way that acting illuminates a and brings to life a script. Illustration does the same for an article or a kid's book or a story. And you can't have the full picture without it. You know, if you're a fine artist, maybe you do go to the gallery, but how do you really engage with and consume fine art on the internet? Treat others as you want to be treated. You know, do you spend more time watching a an artist's process than you do just looking at still images like you're in a gallery? You know, there's so many artists, I talk to them about process and they instantly push back. It's like, that's not me. I don't want to, you know, and I feel you. There have been so many times where I really pushed back on the little headaches that it takes to set up, you know, a little tripod or something that can capture me while I'm creating because I don't want to break that you know, illusion and and that safe space with an observer, but you don't have to share it and you can just try it. Even if you're convinced that's not me, that's what the hero's journey is all about. And the breakthroughs happen on the outside of that comfort zone. If you're a musician, do you discover new music on Instagram and TikTok? You know, I saw a TikToker, I, I can't place it, I can't find who it was, but they were saying that, you know, 
on TikTok, the stuff that goes viral is the stuff that's impressive, but rarely are we sat alone in our room sobbing over how impressive that music is, right? Like the stuff we buy on vinyl is not the stuff that we consume on TikTok. So that creates a problem on how do you gain traction? How do you connect to humans on the internet? I think the people that treat Spotify as its own social media platform actually have a more successful time. The people that have learned to see Spotify not as this, you know, perfectly curated back catalog of their published works and used it to create connections and collaborations. You know, it'd be so easy for you. If you're a musician, I know you have musician friends. What would it look like for you to create a collaborative playlist and promote it to your various audiences elsewhere? You know, what would it look like to show up on TikTok or Instagram, not play, not just playing a clip of your new song, but doing something th that's more like what you consume on those platforms, ultimately leading to a connection, ultimately saying something about who you are as a creator. There are musicians like that, that I have then dove deeper with into their own respective practices. You got to put yourself in their shoes. You know, for me in the marketing world, everyone's always talking about if you want a successful business online, you've got to create an email newsletter. And I'm like, no, I hate email. There's something about the format of email that makes me all completely feel ill. And I don't spend any time reading any email. I never spend more than a couple minutes on an email. Like, I just cannot, I don't like that app open on my phone or on my desktop. And therefore, how would it be treating others as I want to be treated if I centered my entire business around this robust newsletter because everyone told me that's what I had to do? No, instead, I've sunk so much time and energy into what I believe to be the audio newsletter, the newsletter 2.0 podcasts. They're so similar to email. You can't do everything you can with an email, but podcasts can also do things that emails can't. And that's me putting, you know, treating others as I want to be treated with my work is that I'm for people like me, we'd rather consume this and bundle this information while we're doing something else. And so that's the process of putting yourself in the position of others, especially those who aren't just like you. You know, how does it look to interact with people that don't, that aren't other musicians, that aren't other fine artists, that aren't other illustrators? You have the curse of knowledge. You have this abundance of information that's actually clouding your judgment. You can't see the forest for the trees. It's just there's too much detail. But what would it look like to put yourself in their shoes and bless and hashtag bless them because hashtag blessed is they who hashtag bless others. It's a mouthful. All right. I have just one more piece on how to connect to the human rhythms over the algo rhythms. And it is they will follow 
If you lead, and that's Gilmore Girls, okay? This one's coming straight. <laughs> you never knew that your secret social media hints were going to be from Lorelai Gilmore. Again, my teenage daughter, she's getting into all these more grown-up things. She's watching Gilmore Girls with my wife, and uh, there's the theme songs, very classic. If you lead, they will follow. And we've talked about on this show before, like you want new followers, but are you going anywhere? Where are you taking them? If you're not leading, why would they follow? A few episodes ago, 338, we talked about exploring what it would look like not to be the hero of your creative journey. What would it look like if you were the guide? Where are you guiding them? Where are you taking them? You know, I recently came across this interview on Rolling Stone where Alanis Morissette and Olivia Rodrigo are interviewing each other about being child actresses and also young musicians and how they're both putting so much of themselves into their music. And it was really fun and really interesting. My favorite part of the interview was Olivia Rodrigo was trying to explain what she felt was so brave about Alanis's music. And Alanis was saying, like, I just, it never feels brave, you know, sharing this work. And Olivia said something that I thought was very insightful. She said that, you know, I don't think that's the bravery. I think the bravery is not sharing your truth with others. The bravery starts when you're sharing the truth with yourself. And Alanis Morissette was like, yeah, that's exactly right. Like what really takes bravery, what is actually scary is going alone in my room with the piano and being honest about who I am, what my motivations are, what's at the bottom of what I want and who I am and what I choose to do and how I relate to others. Can I put that mirror up to myself? Once I've done that, it's all gravy from there. It's all downhill from there. And I have this deep-seated belief that creative breakthrough is predicated on personal breakthrough. How can you prioritize your life? You know, there are so many times in my creative practice where I'm stuck, not because I'm not making enough work or I'm not getting creative, but because I'm not facing my actual life. I'm not dealing with it. I'm actually using my creative work to hide from myself. And you know, one of our favorite quotes on this show is the Joseph Campbell, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And I just have this incredibly strong hunch that the treasure that you're seeking in your creative work is in the cave of your personal life. I'm a big believer in this idea that the diagnosis, although feels scary, although it starts with a time that's actually darker than what comes before it, that it's a necessary thing to move through. You have to face the thing. There's no going around it. You have to go through it. And so often in my creative journey, I feel stuck because I won't finish my plate. I know the things that need to be done. I know the things I need to go through. I want to move on to seconds with the ice cream of my creative journey, but I got to eat the broccoli of developing myself in my personal work. If you want deep art, you've got to be a deep person. If you want art that has richness, you've got to live a rich life. 
And as someone who struggles to be present in the everyday, in the mundane, in the, you know, the, the, the pieces of like, for me, creative work is such an escape. It's such a way to get through boring stuff. I can play creative games in my mind and cook up stories and all kinds of stuff like that. But if I do that, I will miss the lifeblood, the life source of my creative practice because I am such a strong believer in the fact that if you want your art to breathe, you've got to give it life. And the only place you're going to find that life is your own. And so the bravery, yeah, sure, it takes bravery to show up online and put yourself out there. But the bravery starts way before that because you're not going to share anything visceral. You're not going to share anything meaningful if you haven't actually faced yourself. And so the last thing that I want to leave you with, if you want to make a human connection, you need to connect with the human in the mirror. Michael Jackson said it best. Start with that person, lead that person, guide, you know, guide yourself into interesting breakthroughs in new territories. What are the places in your life that you are ignoring? If you will wrestle with them, you will find the fertilizer in that crap for your greatest work. And if you're too busy sacrificing your life for short-term gains on social media, you won't have the main thing be the main thing. You won't have any art worth posting. And so I suggest instead of trying to hustle online, prioritize the slow but sure journey of doing the real work, the personal work, the work in your life that will lead to the best creative breakthroughs that you've ever had. All right, I hope you are pumped, jazzed out of your brain to get back to what this whole freaking thing is supposed to be about, which is connecting to people, not robots, right? Um, refuse to do their bidding. Let's let's do it our own way. It's okay if it's slow. That's a human pace. Um, you know, I, I, I really believe that. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe so that you're not missing weeks. You know, we designed this thing to give you not all the answers, but to give you some new tools, some new ideas each and every week that can help you fill up with some motivation to be like, all right, I got some new things to try because not all these things are going to work for everybody, right? Like you've got to give them a try, but you've got a whole bunch of new tools to put to work. And if you subscribe to the show, you're going to get that every single week. You daisy chain enough of those things, you're going to get to some interesting places. For me, you know, it's so hard to be consistent as a creative person. We love new things, new challenges. We, you know, a lot of us are very sensitive, lots of emotions. We don't always feel like showing up and making stuff. And so for me, the ways that I can create a habit have been the the way that I can just slowly but surely edge my way forward 
week in and week out. And, and that's the way that I try to create this podcast. And so if you need a weekly dose of pep, if you will just, you know, for a few months, try just like weekly coming back to this process and see if you can see like gradual progress from just creating the habit. That's my hope for the show. So don't forget to subscribe. Creative Pep Talk is part of the Coloop Podcast Network, a a network of podcasts that are designed to fuel your creativity. Go check out the other Coloop podcasts at co-podcast.co. Huge thanks to the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for this creative pep talk soundtrack. Thanks to Sophie Miller, a.k.a. Sophie Pizza, and Ryan Appleton for content assistance. Huge thanks to Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for editing this show so beautifully. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up.